This week I'm preaching on freedom, living in freedom. And I want to jump right in because I, I do have a lot to say today because this is a subject I'm pretty passionate about. So uh, I am going to ask you to stand again, please. And then I promise you won't have to stand again until the end. So uh, please just stand in honor of reading the Word of God. I believe it deserves it. And so uh, my text verse today is out of John 8, verses 31 and 32, one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, say this last part with me, and the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. What a beautiful verse. What a great promise from our God that the truth is what sets us free. Uh, The title of my sermon today is, What If Your Prison Is Unlocked? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we love you. Thank you for this wonderful time we have together, God. We're so honored and privileged to be able to just come into your presence, into this place for corporate worship, and to hear you from your word. And we pray, Lord, that you do your work in our hearts, that you'd convict us where we need it, that you would encourage us where we need it, and you would challenge us where we need it, and that uh, your work would be sealed in our hearts today by your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, we want you to get all the glory. You're the only one that deserves any of it. And we love you, and we thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, you can be seated. For a little bit. So what if your prison is unlocked? You know, when we decided to do this series called What If, uh, one of the first things, topics that came to my mind immediately was freedom. Living free. Because I believe so wholeheartedly in it. I believe it's a beautiful topic. You know, this What If series is about tackling those questions. Those, you know, what if is usually something that comes against us when we're trying to live out something in our spiritual life, and those questions come in, well, what if? What if this isn't true? What if this never happens? What if you never this? Or what if God doesn't this? And, and uh, so we've been wanting to tackle those questions. And when I think of what if, I think about freedom because I think one of the biggest lies the enemy tries to get to us and in us is what if God really didn't set you free? What if you're not free? What if you're in bondage? What if you're in chains? What if you're enslaved in prison? All those words, and God's never gonna do anything about it. And I think we, we've believed that lie a lot in our life. And, and although this is a beautiful topic when we talk about living free, if I were to say, okay, I want everybody to just take a moment and think about those things or that thing in your life that holds you captive, we would all be able to think of that thing pretty quickly. It might even be right here in front of us all the time. It might be something you have to take a second to think about, but we all have those things in our life where we struggle to really live out what it looks like to be free in our life. And so I believe wholeheartedly in this. I've, God's done a great work in my life when it comes to living free. And, uh, and I want to share it with you today because I know there are a lot of what ifs when it comes to living in freedom. What if that bondage that holds you never goes away? What if you never get victory? What if you live your whole life and you never get past those things, whether it's anger or bitterness or, or lust or greed, or envy, or jealousy, or worry, or fear, or anxiety. Chances are, by, with one of those, I've hit something with every one of us. And we've thought, what if God does not set me free from this in my life? What if I'm going to have to deal with this forever? What if it's just going to keep coming back in waves? But I want to ask you another what-if question today, too. What if we can really be free from those things? What if? I think spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically, there's some things in our life where it is, it's almost too much for us to even hope or wish that we would be able to conquer these things or live free in these things. Because for some of us, you might've been struggling with it for years or even decades. 
where you've almost just given up and decided, you know what, I'm just going to hope for the best and I'm just going to keep moving along and I'm going to hang on with a death grip until Jesus comes or until I go back to heaven. And we've almost given up hope of even believing that freedom is possible or that peace is possible in our life. And I came here to tell you today, not only can you be free, you are free. You are free. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I believe for some of you, you're going to get free today in ways you've never experienced in your life. Because you are not in change. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible is very, very clear that you are free. But being able to walk in that freedom is a whole other thing. My text verse, Jesus himself said, if you are really my disciples, you will adhere, you will hold to my teachings, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's, it's the truth that sets us free. The truth is that we are free. It's just whether or not we know it. It's whether or not we live it in our life, whether or not we walk it out in the way that God would have intended for us to walk it out. And so I'm going to speak to you today some truth that I believe is going to set you free. Church, we have been groomed, trained to believe that we are in bondage. We've been trained. Our society trains us. Our society, the way our society works, we're, we're constantly seeing the battles that we have. There is an enemy of your soul that is working hard every day to try to keep you in chains, to try to keep you from really living free the way God has called you to live. So we are groomed to not be free. We're groomed to be in chains in our life. And frankly, the fact that you are free is irrelevant if you don't believe it. Because what you believe determines how you live. You know, if I believe that this stage floor was made of little thin styrofoam and didn't have any support under it, guess what? I'd be preaching from the floor today. <laughs> I wouldn't be walking on the stage. It doesn't matter the fact that it's nice and sturdy and has plenty of support. I wouldn't do it because of what I believe. And what we believe determines whether or not we will be free. And so if you don't believe you're free, you won't ever live free, even though you are. There's a great story to illustrate this. I heard uh, Craig Groeschel tell this a number of years back. He said in their, uh, at their church, in their offices, they play capture the flag with their staff. They break up into two teams and they just play it and it just goes on and on and on forever. Like they're just constantly trying to get the flag from the other team. And they, he said they go to pretty extreme uh, scenarios to try to get the flag from the other team. He said one morning he came into church to work and it was like seven in the morning. He got in his office and he said, you know, the Lord just told me something was wrong. And so he opened his closet door in his office and sure enough, one of his pastors is in, the, in his closet waiting for him because he was going to try to steal this flag. So as soon as he saw him, he closed the door again and put his foot in front of the door. The door didn't have a lock on it because it was just a closet. So he puts his door, foot there. He calls some other staff. They come over and they're all holding the door shut. And this guy's banging on the door saying, let me out, let me out of here. And they're like, heck no, we're not letting you out. You're staying right here. And so they kept him in there for a while. And finally, Craig says, hey, somebody go get me a chair. So they go get him a chair and he, he props it up against the doorknob. And he says, okay, we got this chair up against the doorknob. You're stuck in there. You ain't coming out. Well, the chair was too short. It didn't actually reach the doorknob. But they told the guy in the closet that the chair was propped up against the doorknob and he wouldn't be able to get out. That guy stayed in that closet for 30 minutes, complaining, whining, moaning, please let me out. He got really, he got, actually got pretty frustrated. And the whole time they're laughing because the door is completely unlocked. All he had to do was turn the knob and go out. But he believed that he was imprisoned in that closet. And because of that, he stayed there. In fact, eventually, I guess, he actually tried to crawl up through the ceiling and through the ceiling tiles to get out. And all the while that uh, Craig was actually doing premarital counseling in his office, I think. So uh, it's quite a story. But man, it speaks to 
it speaks to who we are and how we live. And we, we live that way too. Whatever we believe determines how we live. And if we don't believe that we're free, we're never gonna live free. Whether or not we are is irrelevant in, the, in that scenario in our life. You see, we have believed the lie for far too long that we can't be free. Church, some of us have believed it for a long, long time that we can't be free. And I wanna tell you today that God's intention for you has always been that you would be free. Always, that's always been. If you are in prison today in a spiritual, emotional, physical, psychological, mental prison today, God did not put you there. His intent was always that we were free. In fact, the first quoted words of the Bible words quoted what God spoke to Adam and Eve. He said, you are free. His very first words. He said, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden except the one, of course. God's intent was that we would always be free. But we have an enemy of our soul, and his intent is the exact opposite. It is that we would never be free. It, was that, it is that we would live in bondage. And the way he does that is getting us to believe the lie. Because he can't steal our freedom. He cannot take it because what Jesus did set us free. So we're free. But if he can get us to not believe that we're free, if he can distort it, then he's got us. Because you know his first words that are quoted in the Bible to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say that? That's what he does to us. He gets us to question what we know is true. And even for us as seasoned believers, some of us, we can believe the fact that there's lies out there and we'll, we'll, we'll allow them into our life and allow them to have an impact on us to where we are not believing the truth, but we're actually believing the lie. The fact is, you are free. I am free. We are free. Let's look at uh, Galatians 5 and verse 1, one of the best verses in all the Bible. The Apostle Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let me stop right there just for a minute. It is finished, church. It's finished. Jesus has set us free. That is permanent tense. That is not he's going to set you free. He might set you free. He's working on it. He did it. We're done. It's done. We are free. But then he goes on to say, stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Do not be burdened. You are free, but... Paul is saying there is a big, big but here on the other side of this. He says you have to stand firm to stay free. You are free, but to stay free, you have to stand firm. Jesus not only wants you to be free, he gave his life so that you would be free. So the first part for us is just to understand, okay, I'm not a prisoner. If I am a prisoner, I'm in a prison with an unlocked door. Because Jesus said, Jesus isn't on the other side of that prison door saying, hey man, I'm, I'm working on bailing you out here. I'm working on it. Just give me a minute. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do some paperwork. I'm going to get you out of here. He's saying, listen, you are free. You are free. Just walk out. Walk out. Stop believing the lie that you're not free and live free. I came to tell you today, church, freedom is not some far off, unattainable thing that we can hope to achieve in our life if we're lucky or if God answers our prayers just right. It is here it is now, and it is for you. It's there, period. And we just need to believe it so that we can walk it out in our life. My text verse is out of John 8. A couple verses later, after that verse, Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If he sets you free, you're free. 
I feel like I'm saying free a lot, but isn't there a commercial right now? Free, 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 free. Everything's free. <laughs> Jesus set us free, and we are free. And I know for some of us, this messes with our theology a little bit, if we're honest. I'm going to kind of get up in our business here because some of what keeps us in bondage, some of, some of what keeps us from being free is bad theology. And see, I think in sometimes our Pentecostal roots can do us harm. I believe in Pentecost. I believe in full gospel. I believe in the working of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts. I believe in all of it. But I feel sometimes we do ourselves a disservice in our circles because we think freedom looks like a certain thing. It looks a certain way. And if I tell you that freedom looks like somebody coming to an altar and having somebody lay hands on them and pray for them, and there's this thing that happens where that person is completely delivered and set free and whatever it was that was holding them back, whether it was addiction or it was a, uh, a, an emotional thing or whatever it was that God immediately set them free and delivered them and they're excited and everybody's rejoicing and dancing and this person got completely set free. That's what we think freedom looks like. And that's how we can strive so much in our life to think, man, that's, I just need to get free. I just need, I need somebody to pray for me. I need God to deliver me. I need, to, I need him to just completely take this desire away so that I can be free. And does that happen? Absolutely. I'm a believer in it. It happened to me one time. It happened to me multiple times, actually, in my life. But it happened to me one time. It wasn't at an altar either. It was driving down the road. Holy Spirit can work in our lives and do, do deliverance in our life even while we're driving. And uh, I have been, this was years ago, and I was struggling with, with unforgiveness towards someone. No one in this room, praise God. But uh, I was really struggling, and I tried to forgive, and I just couldn't. I was struggling to let go of it. And uh, I'd ask God to deliver me, help me, you know, and I, I'd try to do everything I knew to do. And I was just, in my heart, I was doing all the right things on the outside, but in my heart, you know how people say, like, I know my heart better than you know my heart? I knew it wasn't good. And the Lord just, it was just, it was one of those almost instantaneous things where the Lord said, you need to let it go. And it just like, it almost like fell off of me. And it changed my, it changed everything. It was one of those moments, I remember exactly where I was on the road when it happened. And God did that for me. But you know what? In that moment, it was great. But there's been a lot of years since then. I've had to choose to stand firm. I've had to stand firm because to think that if God just delivers us, that's how we get free. And then it's just, we're going to coast through life. It's not how it works. We have to stand firm in what God gives us and what he's called us to and what he's doing in our life. Have to stand firm. We, I can't, I can't overemphasize it enough. That deliverance or, or, or walking in freedom doesn't just look like what we think it might look like at an altar. That's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm appreciative of it. And I thank you for it. But let me tell you something. Somebody that gets sober from going through AA and having accountability and learning, learning to, to form good habits is just as free as someone that got miraculously delivered of alcoholism on a bar stool in a bar. They're just as free. They're just as free, and, and sometimes long-term, they're better off because they've actually learned good habits. They've learned to choose to walk in freedom. And so it's just as good, it's just as powerful, it's just as miraculous as the other. And so we gotta get away from that bad thinking of thinking that freedom only looks like a certain way. Freedom is about making good choices. It's about walking in that freedom and not giving in to the things that would wanna keep us in bondage. See, we are free, but whether or not we live in that freedom is a totally different story. And this is something that trips us up because we want to feel free. 
You know, I might be sitting there saying, you guys, we're all free. God's made us free. And you might be thinking, well, I don't feel free. I feel like I'm really struggling with X, Y, or Z. And we want to feel free. And so it makes us struggle. But sometimes the feeling doesn't come till later. Sometimes we have to choose to walk in that freedom. And the feeling kind of follows it sometimes. Sometimes we have to lead the feeling to where it needs to come. 1 Peter 2 and 16 Peter said, live as free men, and I'll add in there, and women, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. So we are free. Peter says, live as free men, but don't use that freedom to do whatever you want. Use the freedom to live as servants of God. You see, we have to want freedom more than we want to have our way. To really walk in freedom, we have to want the freedom more than we want to be able to do our thing. See, the world says that freedom looks like doing whatever you want. It looks like, you know, if you don't hurt anybody else, just do it. And it's just, it's easy like Sunday morning is what freedom looks like to the world. None of those people are in ministry because Sunday morning doesn't look too easy most of the time in in ministry. (laughs) It's the most stressful day of the week. I don't know what this easy like Sunday morning is, but, but that's what the world wants freedom to look like. And God says freedom is being able to do his will and to fulfill his purpose for your life. That's what God says freedom looks like, not just being able to do whatever. In fact, too often the world thinks that freedom looks like something, and we kind of tend to agree with it too. The world thinks freedom looks like this. That's not me, by the way. I wish it were. That would have been fine. But that's that's what the world thinks freedom looks like, kicking back in a chair on the beach, Beautiful water now. I mean, I don't think any of us would not want to be in his shoes right there, you know? As long as it's like 80 degrees and not 106. But freedom to the world looks like just everything's easy. I don't have any struggles, no worries, no cares in the world. And we, we often think spiritually that's what it looks like too. When Jesus sets us free, that that's how we're going to live spiritually. And that is bad thinking. That is a common misconception that is not what freedom looks like in fact what freedom really looks like is this one that's freedom that's d-day that's storm in the beach of normandy spiritually speaking freedom looks like this james robinson said at one time and i never forget it he said freedom in christ is not being free from the fight it's free to the fight to think that we're going to get free from something yeah give god praise to think that we're going to get free from something and it's going to be sitting on a lounge chair at the, on the beach the rest of our life is ridiculous. It's not even close to scriptural. Freedom is about being able to be free to the fight. It's about being commissioned. It's about being empowered to live the life of faith God has called you to live. That's what freedom looks like. It's going to be a, a battle. Even in, even in our freedom, church, there will be battles in our life that we have to continue to fight. Okay? I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I can be task-oriented. I love to get things off my list and I, I like to check things off. And I think sometimes we can even look at freedom in our life as something like that, like, oh, I'm free. Whew. Check that off. Next thing now. And it ain't, you might be free one minute, and five minutes later, something else is trying to come at you. The reason is because your flesh and your enemy are a nasty, slimy, disgusting team that are not going to give up until you're gone with Jesus. So it's always going to be a battle. That is true freedom. We have to stand firm to be free we have to stand firm 
So I want to give you three what-ifs of freedom today. Three what-ifs. And the first one is, what if religion is holding us back? What if religion is holding us back? Now, I'm talking about religion in the church. This is the one area that we struggle with that the world doesn't. The world doesn't care about religion. Religion is in the church. It's not out there. Religion is something that Jesus' followers struggle with. And religion is something that can subtly affect our lives and put us in bondage in ways that we never dream possible. And many of you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. Many of you have grew, grown up being very religious. I know I did. And religion is nothing more than bondage. Religion is bondage. You know, the devil doesn't care if you're religious. Because if you're just religious, you're just in, you're just in bondage. Because religion is rules without relationship. That's what religion is. It's following a set of rules without really having a relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. But we can often take it and twist it and make it as much about religion as it is about Jesus. And that brings us nothing but condemnation and bondage in our life. It does not bring freedom in our life. See, the thing about religion is that it is, it's about rules. And so when, when we're following the rules, if we're being religious and we're following the rules, guess what? We feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? I feel pretty good. I didn't make any big mistakes today. You know, I've figured out a way to not think about a lot of things and I made it through the day today. But with religion, when we break the rules and when we realize we're not living up to the rules and we're not living up to the standard that God has for us, then we start to feel condemned. We start to feel guilty. We start to feel bad about ourselves. And we start to try to justify ourselves. We, try to, we start to look at other people and see that they're failing worse than us, so we make ourselves feel better about ourselves by putting them down. We become incredibly judgmental, and it's doing everything in opposite of what Jesus came to pay the price for us to do. Religion is bondage, and we in the church have to be so careful to not allow religion to rule the day. Because religion disguises itself in our lives. We can be fooled into it. That's why I said it can be so subtle in our lives because outwardly, religion doesn't look a lot different than relationship. It can look very, very similar. We can fool people for years and years and years with religion. Because you know you can read your Bible as a religious practice or you can read your Bible for relationship. The outward is the same thing. You can come to church as a religious practice so you don't feel guilty and you can check it off your list, or you can come to church because you want community and you want to grow in Jesus. Outwardly, it looks the same thing. It looks exactly the same. You can be religious and have no relationship. I, I can fake it with you guys. Oh, wait, everybody's raising their hands. All right, how do we do this? One hand, two, which one? We can all do that. You know, religion can, can disguise itself in any way. But it's nothing but bondage church. It's nothing but bondage. You know, I've, I, got, I got for real saved reading my Bible, but it wasn't the first time I read it. It was, it was the first time I read it wanting to have a relationship with Jesus instead of reading it to memorize my scripture verses for my Sunday school class so I didn't get in trouble. That's just religion. Not that scripture memory is religion. That's a good thing. But I know for me it was religion, and it'll put us in bondage. And we could see in the New Testament, Jesus, when he was on this earth, he exposed religion in a hurry. And let me tell you, nothing made him matter than religion either. He was much more gracious towards heathen than he was towards religious people. 
In fact, I'm going to read a passage here. It's going to kind of demonstrate that in Mark 3, verses 1 to 6. He says, Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And we know that everybody rejoiced and put Jesus up on their shoulders and carried him around the room, right? Nope. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. That's what religion does, church. Now, we're not that bad, but that is what religion does to us. It makes us not even see what God is trying to do. Jesus came to set them free, and they were so fixated on their rules that they couldn't even see what was God and what wasn't God. They were in such incredible bondage. And Jesus even said, like, you guys keep people in bondage because you don't even allow them to know the truth because you make them just follow your rules. It's nothing but bondage. They should have been rejoicing. They literally wanted to kill Jesus because he healed a man. I mean, think of the ludicrousy of that. It wasn't like that was a common thing to see somebody's hand healed just by extending it out. They'd never seen anything like that. But religion will do that. It'll put us in bondage. Some of the most... Religious people in the world are some of the most enslaved people in the world. And it's in the church. That's the only place you really find it, is in the church. So we have to ask ourselves, we have to look at our own hearts, say, am I willing to let go of religion so that I can really be free? All right, the second one is, what if freedom requires that we give up control? This one's a stinker. Any control freaks in the house? I don't even have to look up because I know every one of you are, because I am too. We all are in some area of our life. We all want to control certain areas in our life. And the area that you would say, if I said, where's your biggest area of bondage in your life, the thing that you really can't seem to get free from, that's your biggest area of control too. I can guarantee it because that's exactly what happens because we control what we control is actually what puts us in chains. It's what puts us in bondage in our life. If you struggle with fear and worry, that means you can't trust God enough to let, let go of it and put it in his hand. If you struggle with lust, it's because you don't trust that God's way is better and you've given into it. If you struggle with your relationships, with unforgiveness or, or just staying in toxic relationships, it's because you can't trust that God's way is better than yours and you have to control it. We want to control certain things in our life, those areas where we just don't trust that God's way is better than ours. And the irony of this is so crazy because by controlling it, we're thinking that we have control when really all we're doing is putting ourselves in bondage. We're keeping ourselves from being free. And sometimes we don't get free because we don't want to be free more than we want to control. It's true. It's, it's, it's true in my life and it's true in yours. It's true in all of our lives. This control becomes this sadistic comfort zone. We'd rather stay in prison because we feel like we have control rather than let go of it and be in freedom. Because at least in this prison, there's some familiarity. I understand what's happening. I understand what's going on. And I feel like I'm controlling it. Even if I gotta stay in a prison, I'm still, at least I'm in control. When in reality, if we would just let go, we'd be able to walk out of that prison as a free person. But we'd rather control it. 
We will stay in bondage because letting go is too hard. There's an analogy that, with a, that uh, they say if you will take a, if you want to trap a monkey, you take a coconut, hollow it out, drill a, little, a hole in it, put a, an apple in there, and a monkey, you make the hole just big enough for the monkey's hand to get through. The monkey will put his hand in the coconut, grab the apple, and he can't get it out when his hand's in a fist. And that monkey will stay there forever. You can absolutely trap a monkey this way. And if you think about that, all that monkey has to do is let go. And I'm, you know, we're looking at that going, dude, let it go. <laughs> That's not the last apple in the world. There are other apples. Let it go. All the monkey knows is I've got to hold on. I've got to hold on to this apple. That's all he knows. And I would ask you today, guys, what is your apple? What is that thing that's keeping you trapped because you refuse to let it go because you just think, I just have to have this. I can't let it go. Not that, and not that even everything is something that we have to have, but it's having to have control of it. I can't, I can't stop worrying about my kids. If I, if I don't worry about them, who will? I can't, I can't not be afraid. I, I, have to, I have to be careful. You know, my fear is just me being, you know, concerned and, and paying attention. You guys are just too naive and don't pay attention. I can't let go of my fear. Whatever that thing is that's holding us back because we won't let it go is putting us in a prison. To be free, to be really free, we have to be willing to let go today so that we can have a better tomorrow. It's the only way we're going to be free. We have to be willing to let go of whatever that thing is, whatever it is that you're trying to control. And I know our society is working against us because our society is like, doesn't want us to be long-sighted or far-sighted, wants us to be short-sighted and getting everything as quickly as we can. And we want, we want God to just do a deliverance on us and be done with it. When in reality, scripturally, we can see that we have to stand firm. We have to stand firm then and not let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Stand firm. All right, and then the final one. What if we choose faith over fear? What if we choose faith over fear? Fear along with religion and control top the list of things that keep us in bondage. Everybody deals with fear. And I'm not talking about afraid, being afraid of the dark. I'm talking about those areas where we can't trust God. But we're fearful because we can't trust him. We all deal with it in some, in, in some way or another. And you know, it's a big hashtag right now, faith over fear. We're seeing it everywhere. And it's great. We have a billboard out here that says faith over fear. We've had people call the church and tell us how much they appreciate that we put that up because it's really encouraged them. And I'm really thankful for that. It's really great. But it's a lot more than a hashtag. It's a choice we have to make in our life. Are we going to choose faith over fear in our life? You know, they say crises don't actually create fear in us, they expose it. And that's exactly what COVID-19 has done. It has exposed fear in our lives. I've seen so much fear over these last five months, even in the church. And it's really heartbreaking, and I'm not here to browbeat anybody, but when we have fear and we're walking that fear, that is an area where we just don't trust God. And it's an area where we have to go to God and say, I don't trust you here. I need your help. Let's not give in to the fear. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about masks, okay? I'm not talking about the, the superficial things. I'm talking about real, genuine fear that is really crippling people right now. And church, we don't have anything to fear. 
We really don't. If we really trust Jesus, if we really, really trust that he is good, then we have nothing to fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? But we must be intentional because faith is not a feeling, it's a choice. And we have to be intentional with our faith. We must be willing to put in the hard work to defeat it. But I know some of us, again, we want that instantaneous God deliver me from fear and not really willing to put in the work and make choices that will help us to grow in our faith and not in our fear. And I'm just gonna say it today, for those of us that are not willing to choose faith, we need to stop asking God to heal our fe- to take our fear from us. We need to make the choices. God has given us the ability to trust him supernaturally. His spirit is in us. And his spirit in us wants to trust him because that's who he is. And so we have to be willing to make the choices. Living free doesn't just happen. It comes from a commitment to Jesus. A commitment to Jesus. Because fear causes us to put our, our faith, our commitment, our faith is in our safety nets if we're walking in fear. There's nothing wrong with having safety nets. You know, we all have auto insurance and health insurance and most of us probably life insurance. We wear our seat belts. We have investments. We have 401ks. We have savings accounts. Having safety nets is good. Nothing wrong with it. But if your faith is in your safety nets, then you know you're, off, you're out of balance. Our faith is not meant to be in that. If, if, if when the stock market goes down a couple hundred points in a day and your heart rate goes way up because you realize your 401k took a hit, then your faith is in your investment. It's in your safety net. And our, our faith is not meant to be in those things because if we've learned anything over these last five months, everything in this world is built on toothpicks, right? It can all be taken in a heartbeat. We may not have college football this fall. You would have never, you could have put a nickel down on that a year ago and you'd be a billionaire tomorrow because no one would have ever thought that. Everything in our society is fragile. The only thing that we can really put our faith in is him. That's it. And you know, the best safety net analogy that I know in the Bible was when Elijah came to Elisha and threw his cloak over him. You remember that story? Elisha was out plowing, doing his thing. And Elijah put his cloak on him, basically saying, you're going to be my apprentice. You're going to be my protege. You're going to be the next great prophet of Israel. And Elisha said, okay, well, can I go say goodbye to my family? And Elijah says, sure. He takes his oxen, butchers them, takes the plows that they were using, cuts it up, and, and burns the plows, cooking the oxen over the plows, and fed his family. That was a man getting rid of his safety net. He could have said, you know what, I'm going to store my plows in the barn there and let my oxen, you know, graze here in the field just in case this whole profit thing doesn't work out. So I can come back and I got something to do. He said, no. He threw the safety net aside. He said, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm all in. I'm completely committed to God's call on my life. And because of that, he burned, he got rid of everything else. <coughs> and you know, the Bible tells us that Elisha performed twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Maybe it was because of that. Maybe it's because God honored his commitment. He honored his obedience. God responds to our obedience. And Elijah got rid of his safety net. And I would tell you today, or encourage you today, not to put our faith in our safety nets. And I just, I'm gonna ask you one last question today. Is Jesus enough? That sounds like a very simple question. I know we're in church on a Sunday, so everybody has to say yes. 
but I really want you to think about it. Is he enough for you? Are his words enough? Is the fact that he says that you are free, is that enough? Are we willing to believe it? Do we trust him? Because so much of our bondage in life comes from answering no to that question. The areas that we don't trust him, the areas where we feel like he is not enough, that's where we're in bondage. That's where we're in prison. That's where we're hanging out in an unlocked prison because we really don't believe that he is enough. If he is enough, we have nothing to fear. If he is enough, we have no need for immediate gratification. If he is enough, we don't have to have control. If he is enough, we would pursue relationship with him above all else. We would pursue, we would pursue walking with him in holiness and living for him more than anything else. Our faith would not be in our safety nets. Our faith would be in him if he really is enough. So I ask you today, is he enough? Jesus stands at the end of the road of freedom, and he is asking us to come, to be free. But we are afraid to go to him because we don't believe that when we actually get there that he's gonna be enough. In some areas of our life, that's really what we believe. And, and I don't say that today to make us feel bad. I say that to expose our hearts because I'm there, I've been there. I have areas in my life where it's, some areas of my life, it's really easy. I trust him, he's enough, no problem. And there are other areas where mm, I have a little hesitation. And those are the areas that usually will hold me captive if I allow them, if I, if I allow that lie to be perpetuated in my life. So we need, to, we need to recognize those areas where we don't feel like he is enough. And then we need to expose him. And we need to choose to believe that he is enough. Would you stand with me this morning? I ran a little late. I just want to pray for you guys this morning, or this afternoon. And as we've been doing, we can't really do an altar call because of social distancing, but you can respond in your seats. God can meet you right there just as much as he can meet you at an altar. I want to pray for you. And I want to ask you, is Jesus, is he enough? You are in a, if you are in a prison today, it's, uh, the door is unlocked. The door is unlocked. And I want to encourage you and challenge you this, this afternoon to let go of that apple. Let it go. Whatever that area is that you're wanting to control in your life, I'm going to challenge you today to let it go and to trust God. Will you do that this, this afternoon? Will you let it go? Will you respond today in a way where you say, God, I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to do this because I've been hanging on to this apple for so long. I'm not even sure how to let it go, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to trust you. Let's do that in faith today and believe that we'll be able to walk in the freedom that we already have. It's ours. It's ours. We just need to walk in it. I just ask you to respond today, just lifting your hands, lifting your head, kneeling, sitting, something to respond, just to receive this prayer. Would you do that today as we pray? Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you today that you are worthy. We thank you today that you are enough. Such a huge understatement, God. You're so much more than enough. You're everything. You're all sufficient. We thank you today for your grace that is made perfect. Your power is made perfect in our weakness. God, we come to you today and we just declare that we are weak. We are weak. We need you to come in and help us. Help us to let go, God. Help us to let go of whatever that is that we're holding on to. Help us to choose faith over fear today, tomorrow, 
the next day, every day. Help us to choose faith in you. And God, we reject religion today. We reject the rules, Lord. We're not going to try to win your favor by doing the rules. Lord, we want relationship. We want relationship with you, God. Take us to deeper places, Jesus. Deeper places with you, Lord Jesus. We give ourselves to you. Lord, we don't have it all figured out. And Lord, there's times where we don't feel like you're enough. But God, we know that you are. And would you be real to us in those areas? Would you show yourself faithful in those areas in our lives? God, we repent today for allowing ourselves to stay in an unlocked prison. And we want to walk out of that prison today. We walk out, we reject the lies of the enemy that tell us that we are not free when we know that we are free. And it is for freedom's sake that you set us free. We are not subject to a yoke of slavery anymore. We will not do it. And we trust you, Jesus. And we thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you so much, Lord. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. You alone are worthy. You deserve all the honor, the praise, and the glory, Jesus. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Would you give him praise today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, church, I just encourage you today. Take this. Run with it. Let this work be sealed in your hearts today. We are free. Amen? Repeat after me. I am free. free. Say it again. I am free. free. We are free. In Jesus' name, let's live like free people, not like prisoners. Amen?